Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for the upcoming's 49th episode. We are so close. One more, and we're at 50 episodes, people. It's a crazy ride. So joining me now for the upcoming's 49th episode, straight out of New York. He is a filmmaker. He is an actor, a writer, director, editor. And when he's not doing film, he is a show-style snare drummer, and he is insanely talented with that. He's insanely talented with everything he does. But in his filmmaking portfolio, he has done films like Dance the Sacred, You Find the Cop, The Black Fratsman, and now his latest film, Off the Beat, which is one for Best Student Film, Best Director. And so he is just... He's got so much more in store, and he has just brought his A-game. As a, as a drummer, he's been able to perform at NFL games and has performed with Lil Nas X and Demi Lovato. So he, you know, he's just got so much to talk about with his life, his music, his filmmaking, his passions, and just so many more impressive things about him. And I cannot be more honored to have him here talking with me. So ladies and gentlemen, the phenomenal Jaleel Hills. How's it going, Jaleel? Going on, Jonathan. How you feeling? What's going on? Oh man, I am doing good. I'm doing good. So, Jaleel, listen, within the upcoming, I always allow my guests to introduce themselves after I introduce them. So, please tell us in your own words who and what exactly are you? <clears throat> who am I? Um, I, I feel like I am a performer who loves to do different. Uh, things and with different crafts and mediums, whether I'm performing and it's uh on with still soft snare drumming, or it's like if I'm writing or if I'm directing or producing, I just love being in the art, whether it's music and uh, visual arts, and um, just someone who just loves creating things. I love being the creative. Also, thanks for having me, by the you, way. Yeah, of course, man. My pleasure. My, you know. I feel like the best way to describe you, period, is just like that. Just an artist. You are an artist in everything you try to do, Jaleel Hills. But now this is where I take it all the way to your background. When did, like, at what age did you realize art was your biggest passion? I mean, I started with, like, art. Honestly, I mean, it starts with ministry in the church. That's how it starts. And uh, I started with the sacred dance ministry when I was a kid. So my grandmother and my, my, my parents and, uh, was, and my family were really uh, church oriented. So I was born, you know, always being around the church and I always being in these ministries. So I was in the sacred dance ministry. I was in the sunshine choir. So that's where I feel like I found my love of art and um, not really performing. We call it like ministry in church. So like uh, singing in church, dancing and then doing even skits in church. And then when I got older, they started uh, a drum line, the Brewing Community drum line. Uh, the late uh, Dr. Angela Far Griffin, uh, God rest her soul, uh, she started a drum line with uh, the first um, drum instructor, Byron, uh, Dr. Byron Benton. And his his goal was like to make a uh, like a southern drum line in New York. Um, 
to like really get kids active, you know, in Brooklyn and Crown Heights, Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And so I joined that uh, at 11 and I was like a young age and like a lot of the kids were in high school. Like my the youngest of four. So like my uh, two siblings were in the drum line. They're like in high school and like in eighth grade. So like having a fifth grader like in there, it's like, what? Like you're, you're still young. But my uh, uh, doctor, Byron Vinton, he really, uh, he really put me on. He really uh, saw something in me as a kid. And I started on cymbals and worked my way up to the tenor drum. And then I started playing snare and I uh, stayed without throughout throughout high school. And then with filming, <laughs> this is this is very true. Uh, so the show iCarly, I did this is this is true. So the show iCarly, um, Freddie, I always liked Freddie's character because like it was cool that it, it was a kid that like they were their age and he was like producing and creating the show. You know, so like seeing that character maybe inspired me to get like a camera. So my grandfather get, uh, got me a camera, and then my mom suggested me to go to a film school, Academy for Career Intelligent and uh, Excuse me, Academy for Career Intelligent and Film in Long Island City, Queens. And from there, I really developed my skills of like you know uh, different classes and you know uh, camera and lighting and uh, directing. And then when it's time to uh, pick your um your cohort, like your major junior year, I chose editing because I want to like learn how to like you know create it on the timeline, like what's happening in here, how to create it uh, visually. And then senior year, I started directing music videos for my friends um, in high school. And then um I got then I got into the the purchase. The SUNY purchased a film conservatory uh, when I graduated, which was huge. And I was very thankful. Uh, thank God that was a huge opportunity. And then from there, I uh, uh, connected with a lot of great people, or worked with a lot of great people. And it's a, a blessing that I get to do what I do. No, it's, it's really dope. So that, that's like my background with everything. Amazing. So it started in the church and then just kept going from there. And just so many things influenced you to be who you are now, whether from iCarly to, you know, learning drums, everything. But, you know, with with church, not just through arts, I know because both in church and at Purchase, there was a strong sense of community that I know you had to have felt. So what do you think was just what part of community influenced you the most to you know pursuing your passions honestly i feel like just the support like support is so important when in community i feel like and just having the people around you just pushing you to to be great i'll never forget this um in drumline one time uh, we were doing push-ups at the rehearsal and we're tired we just finished doing um uh, the drums this, we just finished doing the routine the sets we're retired you know and like we're outside this high you know and we're doing push-ups and uh, my band instructor he said and i forget this i was like like 12 or 13 when he said this i'll never forget this he said do y'all want to be great and then we were like yeah he's like no no do y'all want to be great and we're like yeah he said all right so this is what it takes to be great you have to like you know push yourself like you know you have to really like, do what you gotta do like really to become better and like you know i've had a lot of people in my life who have you know pulling me in the right direction uh whether it's like different mentors uh different people i've met uh from my church from my drama community from uh from uh purchase from the film community it's just like so many i'm very blessed to have so many people i have in my life to you know be able to like mentor me and point me down a you know a good path and like a good road like knowing me like hey like like you know, it, it's really cool, it, and those are really important, especially like when you're when you're growing up, especially like when um you're young, especially when you grow up in the city and, and you're and you're black. You know, it's it's, it's just important in, in general. You know, actually, no matter what background, just having those mentors and having that support group and community. It's like, and that's something that like that really 
that's something I really I look back at time to time that like and I'm really thankful for I really thank God that I'm able to have a great support system a great family and a great community behind me that you know supports what I do and you know and it's and it's, it's that's a huge blessing it's, it's really a huge blessing man, that's beautiful man just the support and the motivation to push you past you know your comfort zone mm-hmm. and keep going but when you were going and before you even made to purchase i know you felt you know, a lot of lows before you felt the highs so what was one particular low that you felt you know prior to college that you could never forget oh wow one just came to mind um I I wasn't. <laughs> I, sorry, I never said this on um publicly, but I I've I never I wasn't um when it comes to drum set, you know when it comes to drum I'm playing drum set. I uh when I was younger, I didn't get enough practice in drum set uh, than snare and marching band, so I was never comfortable in playing drum set that way. And like I just remember like one performance I was playing drum set uh, at an event. And it was not good. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I had to be like in in eighth grade. It was wasn't good. It was not good. And I was just like, yo, man, like I was down on myself. I was like, damn, I don't want to play drum set anymore. This is it. Like that's it. And I remember I went to um the musical director of the church at the time. And I went to her and I said, yo, I'm done with drum set. I, I don't want to play anymore. Like this, this sucks. And then I remember she told me like, hey, do you love playing drums? I was like, yeah. Like, do you love playing drums? Yeah. She's like, well, don't let this one little thing like, like make you like make you feel down. Like, you love playing drums. Like, keep keep going. And even like, and then the next day, like when I was around like my community again, I was around my my church friends again. They were like, yo, bro, like, oh yeah, you messed up. Like, you know, keep going, bro. Like that. Like that support system is so important. Once again, I say again, like you know, because I could have been down on my dumps. Like, yo, I don't want to be. Or down on the, that's not, I phrase that down on the dumps, not down on my dumps. I definitely phrase that wrong. But no, but like real talk, I, I, I'm glad that in that moment, I was able to talk to like a, a great person in the community and, and, and she was like, no, like keep going. Like, like you love this. And she knew I love the drums and like, I'm, I, I love percussion, percussion and, and, and drums is in my heart. So, I was, so that was one time I, I was down and like now I love playing drum set and I love playing snare and I love playing, uh, drums all around. So like, yeah. Yeah, you got to the point where you're able to do like tricks while playing drums. You know, I see anybody able to slip and like throw a drum six around, still able to do the thing under the leg and everything. So, you know, just kept going, practice a lot. Uh, and now to you as a filmmaker, let me ask you: Who were some of the most? Uh, who were some of your most uh, influential uh, directors? I have five that come to mind. Okay, so Adam McKay. Adam McKay because I love how he could take very serious situations and make it very entertaining. Whether mm. it's the big short talking about um the housing market, whether it's Vice talking about the life of Dick Cheney and politics, whether it's Don't Look Up and talking about uh uh, climate change and reading, hey, we have to wake up about this um, issue is very important and using it in a different way. I think Adam McKay is very, really, uh, and then we also have Anchorman and Step Brothers, all the other, other um, fun, other really great comedy movies. But I love that particular uh, aspect of uh, Adam McKay. Um, Judd Apatow, Judd Apatow also comes to mind because um, he's really funny, and and also the, if you look at the people who Judd Apatow put on, like the people like you know down the list, like with um, 
you know, just all the people he worked with from like, you know, Freaks and Geeks and like Undeclared and like, you know, all the people that he mentored, that's really cool and that's really dope. So how he was able to like, you know, do what he was doing, living his dream, but also now um able to uh, make career for, for uh, pe- other people. Um, I know you said uh, director, but he's also like a writer producer. Uh, Kenya Barris. I, I like Kenya Barris uh, because the re- reason I say Kenya is because you see someone like how he really worked his way up in the industry. You know, he was uh, a writing assistant and then he was writing on episodes, writing episodes for shows. And then he was, um, you know, creating shows. And then he was next to producing shows. And like, you know, really seeing how he could really, like now like he had the whole ish universe, you know, from blackish, grownish, you know, he's, you know, he's all over, but like, and like doing, and writing movies, you know, um, I think it's really cool that that aspect for you could really see someone's career, how he could work his way up from, from a, all the way up there. Um, that was three. Uh, then I have Spike. When I have, before I say Spike Lee, I say Chris Rock. I say Chris, well, I'm say Spike Lee and Chris Rock. I say Spike Lee, Spike Lee because um, well, it's Spike one. Like Spike Lee, he really like with, when it comes to black filmmakers and like there. And mind you, before I say Spike, there have been a lot of black filmmakers before Spike Lee who has paved the way. We got to talk about Oscar Michelle, Ozzy Davis, um, Golden Parks, um, Ozzy Davis, um, Golden Parks, uh, and so many other black filmmakers who were uh, Michael Schultz who were in Hollywood who um who paved the way but like spike lee he really what he did with, with black filmmaking he really took uh filmmaking and black filmmaking to another level and was able to use his filmmaking um aspects and using that for his nike commercial with michael jordan and like taking that and like opening the doors for so many so many people so many people and, and, it's, and it's beautiful and for and for the fact i was able to work with spike lee and for able like i was able to work with spike lee for me being on his um uh, netflix show and like working uh um performing in the, the the prince born day parade when he honors prince it's it's, it's an honor and it's, it's a really a great thing and we say directors i know people know him as a comedian but chris rock is on that list and chris rock he does have a few films uh he has film uh um head of state and he has a film uh uh top five those two come from the mind the way chris rock talks about once again same with adam mckay serious situations um and it makes them very funny and entertaining but also you can excuse me you can learn that's the beauty of it and like i think that's really funny i think and how he could like convey his stand-up and convey his like uh his work into television with everybody hates chris and the films it's it's really beautiful it's really seeing how he could like really uh bring his career to so many different levels so that's really dope yeah that's really dope that come to mind yeah, that is really dope. And you brought something to be able to tell something so serious yet make it entertaining or, you know, lighthearted, just make us still bring out a laugh in a way or just be like, oh, okay, I know that. It's that's tough. That's honestly tough. Because <laughs> if you're talking about, there's nothing like really comedic or entertaining about it. It's extremely serious, like, you know, uh, climate change or you know, the housing market. So, yeah, and then you watch, yeah, and then you watch the movie, and it's really entertaining. Like, the, I, I really recommend people watch the big short. It really breaks it down in a really entertaining way, and like, you know, like, and I get there's so many other filmmakers like I could name, but like it, that, those are like really great movies. Something that really talk, takes something that's really like serious, but also like you walk away from it. Oh, this is entertaining, and I also learned something. You know? Yeah, definitely. I can see that. There's so much to learn from different films. But when you 
started becoming a director yourself, had you, I'm going to take it to like when you, when you first did filmmaking, when you were first writing your scripts, how, how did you try to take those serious issues and just try to make them, you know, as entertaining as you could or right, either comedic or just like, wow, just something like that. I think it started with uh, with screenwriting, like learning, taking screenwriting classes and approaches in the film conservatory, and um, you know, honestly, like understanding I could really make my films what I want them to be. You just have fun with the dialogue, have fun with the characters, even the serious conversations, but making it in a way that everyone can like, in an entertaining way. I've always, uh, I always thought about, um, you know the audience and thought about, okay, what's the most entertaining way to perceive this topic? You know, that's the most important, that's, that's really um, important when I'm, when I'm, when I'm writing my scripts and like, and when I'm writing, I really just have fun. Like when I, when I wrote Black Craftsman, it was just like, it was fun writing the jokes. It was fun, like, you know, writing the really dramatic scenes. And I like, even like thinking about, okay, here's like the, the dream cast I would have in this movie. And thank God I, I got my dream cast. You know, I got the people I really wanted to work with for, 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 for the most part, you know, in, in the film, you know, it, it was, it was, it was amazing. It, it, it was great. And like, you know, like the, the entire cast killed it. Everyone, everyone in, in the, in the project of the black Rising. but with the writing of it, it really started off with just, you know, with, with the writing of it, it, it really started with just, you know, just having fun with it and like not taking it, you know, um, too seriously, especially with the first draft, they call, they call it a vomiting the script. So it was like literally having it and like an idea in your head, but like making sure like you just get it out. Um, just like, but honestly, when it comes to screenwriting, it, it, it's like, t- and it also depends on topics. Like with this one, with, with Black Craftsman, it was a, it was, it's a dramedy. So it's common. So it's some comedy aspects with off the beat. It was totally different. It was like, more pulling from a personal experience I had with uh, uh, the police when I was uh, 15 years old when I got stopped and first. And like also like, you know, just trying to see what's the best way to talk about the situation, but also like not pulling back, you know? So like really finding that line. I think it all honestly just comes to you when you like really focus on the story and the characters. So I think it really depends on like what story you're telling and like, for me, it depends what story I'm telling, and also it's it, it depends like um, how I want to tell it. And like when I'm like writing, when I'm when I'm sitting down on my laptop, I'm just, I'm just like going to typing. I just like you know just let it flow and just really like be with the characters in the story. Hmm. Let it flow with the characters, really be with the story. Yeah, that's you know, screenwriting is so hard. Yeah, because you gotta be detailed in like how you tell a story and you gotta really you gotta like really imagine like the world you're building when you're writing this uh when you're writing the screenplay and mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's so not easy and it takes so much time you, you, you know it, no my bad, my, my bad i was just gonna say you know what i think it really once again it really starts with the character like once you figure out the character, and, like, it is hard to build that world, like, if you're doing, like, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but, man, like, you know, like, you gotta, like, talk about dragons and whatnot, or, like, <clears throat> or the world, like, Star Wars, um, but I think it really depends on, like, just, like, the characters itself, that, that, that really, that's really, um, it comes down to, my bad, you said you had a, a random question, my bad, my bad. Yeah, um, what's the longest time you spent on a screenplay? 
Um, wow, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, I I knew like like Black Fratspin went through a lot of drafts. Um, I want to I want to say off the beat, off the beat also went through a lot of like different iterations because it it started out with because because I remember I remember like 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 right after uh you know Black, Black Frats was in the festivals in 2020. I think my senior thesis, I wanted to do a film about uh, busking while street performing. And then, um, you know, then I, I really started thinking about police brutality. And, you know, especially like in 2020, the murder of, of George Floyd and like um, God Rest His Soul. And then and with um, all the riots and, and all the, and all the um, everything happening across the, the nation, across the world. I was like, okay, I, I, want, I want to talk about police brutality in, this, in my next project. And then with. So I remember I, I, my producer, uh, Eve Alphonse, was like, you got to do a lot of research. So I did research. I, I really started, you know, um, pulling from my own personal experience. And, yeah, I, and it just went through a lot of iteration. Like, like how do I want to tell the story? So I think Off the Beat took a lot of, like, time with, like, the development, honestly. You mean you brought up uh, the murder of George Floyd and ran up 2020 period. That was such a... Oh my gosh, that was such a wild time. It was just an unbelievable time, wasn't it? Just seeing the literal, just international cry against um, police brutality. That one video just inspired that entire revolution. I remember I went on social media and that's all I saw. It's it's so crazy how times have changed and how big something can really get that it can inspire just so much, honestly. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and then, and like, and I, did, did you think you did you um go out to any of the, uh, the protests out of curiosity? Was was I involved in any of the protests? Mm-mm. Uh, no, I wasn't um any of the protests, but I did uh I did follow them. No, it's not. I did. I went to um. I I, no, I feel like it, it was a lot at first. It's true. At first, I really weren't wasn't gonna go because like I was on Instagram and I was seeing. Like you know, you see videos of like you know, like the police and, and, and at the protests and like arresting people. And this is like Barclays Center. This is like Union Square. This is like my backyard. This is like places I I hang out in. You know, um, but I end up going to two protests. I did a drum protest. So it was like I need to go to like these. I really show my support. I have this talent. I want I want to go and show my support there. And like just a crowd and everyone who's there just marching. It was just it was it was, it was really um a sight to see. It was, you know, like you know for. It, it, it was a sight to see everyone out there, but you know, it was, yeah, 2020. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a yeah. All right, enough about 2020 though, because we could, we could, that's a whole another conversation. Um, but I want to talk about off the beat. You know, you put so much work into this, and and it's really just getting the recognition it deserves, and just seeing how the themes behind it is just how. Just the the fear and just dread that can come after a police encounter in the black community is still it's always been it's always been real, but these days it almost feels even more real. So when you were when you were developing this film, how did you how did you see the film having, you know, its impact upon release and like going into the future? Honestly, I I I don't know because when I was making the movie, I was just focusing on making the film. 
And also, this was my senior thesis film, so I was focusing. I need this film to graduate college, so I was like, I was focusing on that. Um, <clears throat> but the, in terms of impact, the first scene we shot was the stop and frisking scene. So the film was about you know um, uh, a street performer who gets stopped and frisked on the way home, and has to go home and explain it to his brother who's also an officer. So the first scene we ever shot was a stop and frisk scene. And mind you, we we worked with um uh, a police officer. We we worked with um uh the the main actor. Uh, one the main actor he he uh, Ronnie Kojo who who did a phenomenal performance it was a great performance um he worked with uh Louis Barrio who plays one of the cops who is in himself uh you know retired and and, and like the law force so law enforcement world so it's like you know they had everyone had like experience we rehearsed the stop and frisking scene but on set we filmed it you know we we got it and I remember like watching the dailies afterwards being like yo like this it, it really hit hard you know like and like i think seeing the impact now of how different festivals really get like see it understand it like and i like, could get the message and i like, could really like resonate with the movie is is, is really it's, it's it's really something to see because you know i didn't really expect it to really uh do like uh it's festival run like that but you know for a rec- for the recognition the film has got and like it's, it's really great and like also, shout out to, like, the, to the casting crew who put so much, so much work into this, and like Monty Kojo, who's a lead actor, he he really uh, gave a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Um, he's a senior now. Uh, he's about he's doing great stuff. He has a, a magazine company, uh, King Kojo Magazine. Uh, definitely, everyone should check that out. But like, this was Amani's first film, and like he really came into this performance and like literally gave everything. And like it was, it was, it was amazing to work with him, and like it was. It was great. I'm, I'm excited for everyone to see this uh, this performance. It, it's really, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, this, but this film was it was it was, uh, it, it, was a lot, it was hard to make. It, it, it was a lot. The, the subject matter and everything, you know. It's also not just you know, subject matter, but you based it. That's interesting. Based it off, you know, your own personal experiences. So I know that was hard um, to look at just because uh, of the reminder of what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. But, um, when I was uh, 15, I was walking home uh, from high school one day, and I got stopped and frisked by four officers uh, who were undercover officers, and um, they said I matched the description of somebody, and they just patted me down, held me, like just patted me down, and they like, held me in that spot for a minute, and they were like, "Oh, like they tried, like they tried like to chit chat me, like you know, it's like they try, I'm like." standing up around these officers, like, talking around these officers, just trying like, to chit-chat around me, like, hey, like, where are you coming from, like, school? They're like, oh, why are you getting home so late? I'm like, oh, I go to school in Queens, and, you know, I live around here. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, like, go to the film, I said, I go to a film school. He said, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? At the time, I wanted to be a comedian, and this is true, they were like, oh, tell us a joke. I was like, okay, a cop stops a black, four cops stop a black kid on the way home, and they all laughed. And I was like, okay, like, I was like, that was, that was very risky, but I was insane to say that, because I was I was nervous. I was like, I just want it. But then they let me get, then they got a call on the radio saying, oh, is that the guy? And they let me go. But that was, I don't know. I, and when I was talking about, thinking about police brutality for this project, I, well, when I talk about police brutality for this project, I, I was really, I really forgot about that memory. Then it kind of came back up. But then like, I really wanted to like talk about that and also how this can, you know, with the story, how can this affect, you know, a household, you know, that, and that was it. Yeah. Your heart must have been racing when that whole thing went on. Racing like I don't want to curse, but racing like a yeah. <laughs> you can yeah, say it. You can say it. 
I, I was all good. <laughs> yeah. Racing like a freaking, like a freaking horse, like a freaking derby horse or whatever you call it. Um, thank God. I, I just thank God I made it out, um, alive. I thank God I made it out safe. So that was, that was, that was, that was, that was very scary. So I'd be able to, uh, talk about a police brutality incident in, in this project and be able to, you know, um, show it in, in, in this way. And especially with, with, uh, like, I'm, I'm glad I was able to, like, uh, you know, to, I, I'm glad I was able to, you know, to, uh, <clears throat> to, like, I don't want to say deal with it, but I was, I was able to, you know, uh, like, talk about policing in this, you know, in this film. And in a way, also, you were kind of able, I imagine you were kind of able to, um, accept, you know, that, that incident as traumatic as I'm sure it might have been, just be able to say, like, hey, this happened to me, and this is how, you know, I'm spreading that message of, like, you know, do not like to, to traumatize and to negatively impact, you know, young black kids on the street right there. Yeah, you can keep going. I remember developing the film. I really was, it was talked about the themes of like policing versus race. And it's like, let's just talk, let's talk about, let's talk about policing civically. And unfortunately, you know, race is going to come up, but like, let's talk about policing. Let's talk, let's talk about policing. And like, you know, I think that was, I, I think it was handled in a way that was, that you could see that it's a way that you could see like, okay, here's where people are coming from when they're saying, why are people so upset about, about at the cop? Well, there's a reason for, for that, the reason why people are upset, the reason why, um, you know, some like people, people see cops as threats. Like, there's a reason for that. I think, you know, if we talk about that, maybe we can like move forward. Because you know, I think that that's what we're talking about. This policing in general. Not we're not trying to say oh f the cops or screw the police. We're trying to say like, hey, this is this is why this is this is that. You know. Yeah, I understand. And once again, congrats on you know winning for best director at the New York New York Reels. Realism Awards, man. Thank you. That was, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, like you said, just so much hard work. You know, it's paying off. So, enough, uh, before, I want to ask you one more question before we move on to um, you as a um, as a drummer. So, I saw I saw the film uh, "Soul Tenderness," and I saw that, you know you had a um, you had a part in uh, the production of that. You've been able to work with I know a lot of other filmmakers. So what's something that we would say have been some inspirations um, and some ways that helped you, you know, in your own work after, you know, collaborating with other filmmakers? Oh, my. I feel like every film set I work on, I I leave with something because, oh, my God, it's like the beauty about filmmakers, you see. Like, like one moment you'd be working with somebody and they're like a PA on your set or they're like, you know, doing sound on your set. And then you're there. Then you're like an extra and, and you're doing and then you're seeing them direct. And you see it, you know, how they run production. is It's beautiful. You know, I think I've, I've learned like a lot from a lot of my peers, a lot of my friends. Um, and I think that's like the, the beauty. The, that's the beautiful thing about it. I love working with people I can learn from. That, that's really dope. Like, I like, you know, work like when. You know, my, my, uh, uh, DP, uh, Kai Cassian, you know, I call him, uh, Kai the man, the man with the golden eye. Um, you know, when, uh, he's, we're on, we're on set and like, you know, he's setting up the camera, he's setting up the shot. I'll be like, so yeah, what's setting that again, bro? Like, we're like, what's, what, 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 what is this again? Like, you know, just asking, you know, cause he, and he knows, and like, you know, all these guys are, 
they're great people and they're, 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 they're wonderful folks to work with. And like, you know, I'm trying to like think of like a couple things, um, like from working on different sets. I don't know, even even like seeing like different, like even like purchase alumni, like do, like like doing different shows in the dance world and the acting world. It's just like it, everything's just so inspiring. Um, but I think one thing I would always, I think I would say like leaving production sets, working with folks, is like understanding that like you can work with your peers and create something bigger than yourselves. And I think that's something we always got to remember because like it happens time and time again, whether um. Whether I'm doing a production, whether of me uh, directing uh, artist sessions for Paco Beer Studio, shout out to uh, my cousin, Herman Bonet, he's on tour right now, uh, doing his thing. Uh, whether it's that, whether it's um, uh, people putting on dance shows, whether it's um, people uh, doing acting in the city or all over, like, like literally that's, that's the joy of it. And I think I, and the really cool thing about it, understanding like we can do this, we can work together and we can, like create something uh bigger than ourselves we're young we're driven and we do it let's go nice so all right now we've talked about your film let's get on to you as a drummer so you've had so much you've been in so many performances and you've been able to work with you know so many artists and since you started how has each performance built you more and more as a drummer um, I feel like every single performance, I, I uh, take away something different. And I think doing, I, you know, cause I, I've been doing drum performances since I was like 11 years old. So it's like, I've been doing a lot of those performances since uh, being young. So it's been really cool to like over time to like, okay, like practice in front of, you know, in practice and then also like doing different performances, practicing for that. And then over time, doing that uh, as a kid and as a teenager getting ready for like you know doing a met life and as square garden um so i feel like i i, I you, what i feel like what you do you take away um i don't know i think every performance you take away different like something different like if i'm doing a snare drumming gig and like and i'm doing it with my like a show style snare drummer um let's say like i'm i do a trick and it doesn't land like okay like i gotta practice on that one more or it's like i do a trick and it goes really well like okay cool that one really works um i feel like you learn different but like i think you're always learning constantly but i think with every drum gig i feel like you learn especially like i feel like you learn something different and also like (laughs) excuse me excuse me and i feel like um the only I've also learned, I guess, from different mentors and different like um drum managers and drum producers and drum and like drum like um organizers organizers over over the years is like how to read the room and how to like hold yourself in like big rooms and like big uh spaces. Um yeah. I, I and I it, it, it and it's all little stuff and I've I've taken uh, those uh, different tools of like, you know, of like if me being like 17 years old performing at MetLife Stadium, like how you get a drum line of 17 drummers on the, on the court drumming for like five minutes and then, you know, uh, and then getting them off the court uh, ready for the next thing uh, for the game. Uh, so taking that, like those skills of organization and, and, and production into like filming skills. So that's like something I feel like I've learned over the years. Yeah, but you've been performing in big places like you were doing performances halftime for you know the 
for the Giants for the um, for the NFL. So, and you also, I want to talk about this. Um, yeah, we talk about it now. You've also done performances with Ricky Demi Lovato and Lil Nas X. So. You're performing for big crowds, man. And so I can imagine just the immense pressure you have to be in when you're doing this, even afterwards. So how do you sort of just come to, like, how do you handle that pressure that, you know, is there um, before you uh, perform? It's funny. The pressure doesn't really kick in until... The pressure goes away when you're performing. There's a lot of pressure when Hmm. I feel like not really pressure, but I feel like there's a lot of things when you're practicing that you have to get right. Because I think when you're when you're performing, it's like it's, it's muscle memory. So I think practicing, it's not really pressure. It was more like I'm very dedicated to like getting um you know the piece right and trying to uh, trying to figure out like you know how to learn it and like figure out how to um perform it to 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 the um, best of my ability. Um, so I think that's when it's it, but like when you're performing, so many different things could happen when you're at the performance, you know, so it's, it's a lot of just like living, being in the moment and understanding that's like, Hey, like when you're drumming, it's a lot of people watching you. It's a lot of people, uh, seeing you do your thing, but your, my job is to focus. My, 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 um, duty is to focus right now is drumming, performing and, and, and uh, putting on a really great show and, and doing my thing. And that's real. And that really puts the pressure in the nerves away and I get to really do what I got to do. Hmm. Interesting. But, dude, you were being able to work with celebrities. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, were, you, were you able to, um, were you able to uh, get autographs after the show? Nah, nah, nah. It's, it's professional. You know, you work, like, it's not like, it, it's professional. No, not not really. <laughs> All right, well, that's a shame. But still, you've there's been so many times where you've been able to just show off your skills and just do what you love uh, and have a, help other people, have, you know, have a good time themselves. And you brought that back um, to purchase through Aphrodisiac. So you know. We both talked about like how purchase can bring like a sense of like a community, really. And mm-hmm. I know you felt that when you were going to school there. So when you were able to, how did you see it when you were able to come back, you know, and give your give your performance um, at a place like Aphrodisiac? I mean, coming back then performing at Afro, it, it just showed me that purchase is still doing its thing. It's still being amazing. It's still it's, people are still collaborating. People are still making art. It's still people still and people still are you know putting on great shows and doing great work. It was it was really amazing like performing at it as an alumni, you know. And it's because Afro DJ was like one of my first drum performances at campus as a freshman. I performed at it. Um, yeah, second my second semester freshman year, uh, freshman year. Um, when I was my second semester freshman year, and it was just amazing. It was dope. It it it, it really solidified me knowing like okay i have to do drumming and filmmaking on this campus because at first i was just like i'm in the conservatory of film we got to be serious about film we got to only film from film and when i performed the afro it was like no i gotta do both and then when i started doing both i really started feeling fulfilled on campus doing what i wanted to do um, in both areas so like come so coming back to uh, afro last year it felt really full circle it felt really great you know 
performing and also seeing all the student student performers and also like seeing everyone organize it like it was it was great and dusty looking killed it and once again like ice spice was there and this is before munch so it was really great to see her you know perform uh and do her and do her thing but of, overall like it was great performance with my guy donye like donye that's, that's the guy i love you bro like he's he, he's amazing he's a great guy you know great 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 friend and uh it was great performing with him it was great doing his it was great doing our thing and uh Honestly, it was really amazing. One of the best things seeing Purchase is still doing what Purchase does best and is creating and collaborating and generating amazing and great art. Yeah, exactly. And his thing, um, Jill and I talked about this uh, before recording. Uh, those who performed at Purchase usually end up making it big. I mean, just look at Ice Spice. She was performing and now she's working with Taylor Swift. So you, Jaleel, we might end up seeing you um, doing uh, your own performances at, at the Grammy Awards or the BMA something. And so people will be reaching out to you a lot more uh, in the near future. So I have um, just a few more questions to uh, ask you because we both know working with something like with drums and doing that constantly in performances or for practice takes a lot of physical work. So I wanted to ask you on this platform right here. I know you talked before, but I want to ask you here, you know, what your, what some of your habits have been in your workout routines to continue keeping yourself up so you can continue doing drumming. So like work, you said workout routines? Yeah. Like workout routines. Um, I guess what I'm working on in the gym, I, I try to do a dumbbell, not dumbbell, little thing called those, those weights. I start to start doing setup. Yeah, that's- um, do a lot of sit-ups, uh, try to run on the treadmill. Um, when it comes to rehearsing, I try to like just practice the dance moves. I try to, you know, uh, practice, um, with my portis in there as often as I can outside, you know, just like, you know, get the feel of it really like, you know, with the hands and like, you know, with the sticks, um, stick tricks, uh, really like practicing that, you know, there are going to be times I'm definitely going to drop a stick, sticks going to be flying. But that's okay when you're in rehearsal when you're working out uh the the kinks of it working out the different uh parts of the show, but uh yeah but I feel like when it's when I really want to get my you know body right definitely push ups hit the gym a couple of times um and like you know do what I gotta do um but like also when so also like when I'm doing like drum dances or I'm doing like a show style performance I love having a lot of, a lot of energy on stage so it, it's really important to like also you know, also just like, just like drink water and also like, you know, uh, do stretches beforehand, you know, there's arm stretches, leg stretches, all that good stuff. And also like eating, right? I love mangoes. If people know, if people know me, they love me. I love mangoes. So you, you can see me munching on eating mangoes all the time. I love mangoes. Like, yeah, eating right, uh, drinking, uh, drinking, uh, water, staying hydrated and, um, yeah, and stretching. Because uh, not not catching uh, catching cramps in performances is uh, yeah yeah don't don't want to <laughs> yeah. pull a muscle and so yeah yeah mangoes huh mm-hmm. <laughs> all right man it's it's, the, it's so good Man mangoes are fire look I love other right. fruits you know, but like mangoes come on now come on <laughs> okay all right all right man uh, uh, you know mangoes um. So, in any case, 
Yeah, so that's just it. Just keeping yourself in shape. Make sure you're working on stretching. Definitely don't want to pull a muscle. Uh, that'd just, be a pain. I'm just staying active, too. Like, I like just taking walks throughout the day, too. That's really important, too. The, I, the key thing I'm trying to say is, like, just staying active. They're just staying active and, like, to stay healthy. Just always staying moving. And also, like, resting when you um when, you, when your body's telling you to rest. Like, if it's like, okay, I'm tired. Like, no, man, keep doing it. Keep it. Like, nah, like, take a break. Relax, like, and that's really important, too, you know. Yes, eat and sleep plenty. Like your body needs to rest. I've, I, I too, have learned that. Trust me. When, you, when your body's saying, like, it's tired, but you know you want to do something, it's like, okay, you know, no, no, my body's tired. I'm not going to push it further with, you know, caffeine or, like, just keep my eyes open. It's like, no, let's just, if I got to take a short nap, then fine. Let's, let's do that. And you're actually, you're in a perfect place to go for walks because New York... Uh, is the place for walking. Now you, now you, you'll find a lot of great spots in New York and like different like areas in the city. Now it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Yeah, truly. So now I just have one more question for you, Julia. Through since you started and since you've won awards, done big performances, worked with so many amazing creative minds. What's something you're most grateful for? Honestly, this blessing, the blessing from God that I'm able to be able to drum and have all these great opportunities to really like do what I love and perform and be able to do that, be able to work with my friends and colleagues and create really great projects and honestly be able to um, work with so many different people and creative people. It's, it's a blessing to create art. It's a blessing to create music. It's a blessing to do what you love. And I'm very blessed. And I'm, I am very, very grateful to all the community, to people, and to God, and my family and God, and, and everything I do. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful. That, that's, that's a huge blessing to be able to, like, you know, do that. It's, that's a blessing. Truly. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for episode 49 of the upcoming. I want to give another big thank you to the great Jaleel Hills. Thank you so much for coming on, Jaleel. Of course not. Thanks for now. This is, this is dope, Jonathan. Uh, thanks for having me. It's really cool. Uh, absolutely. This has been an amazing time. And that being said, that's it for this episode of the upcoming. Be sure to continue to follow us on Spotify. Just follow us everywhere. Now, folks, people, we've added adding it to uh, 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 it's Apple Podcasts. So just follow us everywhere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And also, be sure to you know, just tune in for more amazing episodes of the upcoming because things only get better here. We're almost at 50, folks. 50 episodes and soon we'll be up to episode 1000 and it's, we're not done. We're just getting started. So that being said, good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. Best yet to come. Take care, everybody. <laughs>